Welcome to Mountain View Church Audio, coming to you from the Wilderness City, Whitehorse, Yukon. We strive to introduce people to Jesus through scripture, biblical instruction, and prayer with authenticity and vibrancy. You don't need to know anything about the Bible. Just sit back, relax, and let God do the rest. Have you ever made a deal with God? Like maybe you wanted something really badly or maybe you were in trouble or in danger and and you kind of threw up a prayer, God, if you get me out of this or if you fix this, then I will pray every day or read your Bible or do some sort of good deed or or maybe you've thrown up a prayer and said, oh, God, if, if you give me this thing or do this thing for me, then I will fill in the blank. It's amazing how human beings seem to look at the world like there's some sort of cosmic scales. You know, and some people call it the universe, the cosmos, God, maybe it's karma. And there's lots of different ways people describe it. But they seem to act like there is this sort of force. And and if they do enough good or not do enough good or do bad or whatever it is, that somehow it'll work out for them. Somehow, something inside of them causes them to act like this. Have you ever wondered why? Why do people do that? Why do we do that? Well, I believe that this intuition or this desire to look at the world this way, why human beings do this, it actually points to something greater, something deeper. We've been going through a series called What is the Gospel? It's a four-week series. And in the first week, we looked at our identity, that we were created in the image and likeness of God to be in relationship with God. And last week, we looked at our problem that that we all do wrong and we have sin. These wrong things break our relationship with God. Now, we're going to move into a new topic today. But if you have not uh, kind of watched the previous two episodes, you're going to want to go back now and check those out. Because we're going to talk about some things today that might not make sense unless you've watched the previous two episodes. And you can go to mountainviewwhitehorse.ca slash church on demand and you can check those out. But if you've been up to date, you're ready for the third episode today, we're going to look at our solution our solution, if you have ever asked yourself, um, maybe how, how can I find meaning? How can I feel whole? Like there's something missing. Like there is some sort of bigger picture out there. There's something that human beings crave or long for. Something needs to be righted that's wrong. If you ever felt like that, we're going to deal with it today. We're going to talk about it. And to start things off, I want to read part of our statement of faith as a church, what we believe as Christians, and something called atonement. We believe that the salvation of sinners is holy by grace, that it is through the mediatorial office of the Son of God, Jesus, who by the appointment of the Father freely took upon him our nature, yet without sin, honored the divine law by his personal obedience and by his death made a full and expiatory atonement for our sins. 
Last week we looked at that. We, we saw that humanity has a sin problem and, and we talked about, we started the conversation that Jesus, that God's son, God sent his son and takes away, removes that sin. And, and that's what we talked about, but, but we kind of left you hanging a bit. Like, how does that work? Jesus died on the cross and somehow that gets rid of our sins. How does this work? This, this thing is called atonement. And, and so today we want to unpack this whole concept of sacrifice and atonement. And in order to answer these questions and explain it to you, because these are big theological concepts, we actually have to go way back, way back to the Torah in the Old Testament. And if you've been with us in the first episode, we talked about the Torah. We talked about those first five books of the Bible and we gave, you know, the authority and authenticity of the Torah and it is a valid document for us to look at. And so we're going to go back to the Torah, but we're going to go to the third book. We looked at Genesis before. Now we're going to look at Leviticus. Okay, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book. And we are going to go to Leviticus 17. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. This first system to remove sins was really based on animal sacrifices. And the, the idea of the Hebrew people, of God's chosen people, and the desire of God is that the, the animal would be sacrificed to cover, kind of take away the sins. Of the human being. Uh, This brings about, this concept of atonement brings about two concepts, one called expiation and one called propitiation. Let's unpack those. So first, expiation, the first part of atonement. Expiation, the prefix is ex or out of or from. This part of the sacrifice, the animal being sacrificed, this This removes the payment or penalty for sin. This is how that works. Now, the second piece of the atonement is propitiation. Now, note the prefix of for, uh, of pro means for. And this is basically on God's side, that God is a righteous, perfect judge. And God can't look on sin. He can't accept sin. And so the sacrifice of the animal, that, that atoning sacrifice The propitiation piece is that God is appeased. And so this was a system for a long time that we read about in the Old Testament. And people would sin and they would have to sacrifice an animal to atone for their sins. That in expiation, the the sin or penalty, the, the, the payment would be fulfilled. But then in propitiation, God as a righteous judge would be appeased. And this was the system that God instituted at the start. But then things shifted. If you turn now to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is one of the most well-known and uh, really respected prophets of the Old Testament um, and Hebrew literature. And right at the beginning of Isaiah, we start to read about a shift that starts to happen. God is about to say, enough's enough. And so in verse 11, we read, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams 
and the fat of a well-fed beast. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. What we start to see here in Isaiah is is God is going to begin to reveal a different type of sacrifice, a more perfect, complete sacrifice, a greater atonement. And it's this, this, this system, this sacrificial system has been going on, but the problem is, is there's no amount of animals, no amount of bloodshed, no amount of burnt offerings can cover the, the multitude of sins of humanity. Humanity just continues to do wrong over and over and over again. And so this system would be never ending. And so God has had this system for a while and and the Hebrew people have been under this system. But there's a shift. And this points us toward, Isaiah begins to point us toward what would become the New Testament, New Covenant, New Promise, and eventually the Gospel that God would send his one and only son, a perfect sacrifice, fully God, fully man, and that he would die on the cross and be buried. And sin, the sin would be covered, atoned for, uh, that it would be paid in full on the cross by God himself dying and also appeasing the father's wrath, the, the, the father, God as judge. Now, how does this fully work? Well, One author, Leon Morris, talks about the atonement and explains this well in regards to the gospel or in regards to the New Testament and how Jesus fits into this whole atonement process. Expiation is what is done to crimes or sins or evil deeds. Jesus provided the means to cancel or cleanse them. Propitiation is something done to a person. Christ propitiated God in the sense that he turned God's wrath away from the guilty sinners by enduring the wrath himself. We see that both expiation and propitiation, these two pieces of the atonement, we see them at the cross, both displayed equally, that the penalty and payment for humanity's sin is paid once and for all, but that God's wrath, that as the judge, he is appeased and once and for all. This is why so many Christians look at a cross, and even though it's a symbol of execution, we look to it in awe and wonder and beauty and thankfulness. Because that cross resembles a complete atonement that all our sins have been paid for, the penalty gone, and that God is appeased, that he looks upon us with favor now because that sin, that punishment was placed on Jesus. There's a great leader in the first century named Paul, and he was writing to the Romans. And keep in mind that Rome is the height of philosophy and theology and science and mathematics. It's a, it's a place of great learning. And in his letter to the Romans, which we find in the New Testament, he explains this whole concept so well. And in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 22, he explains this to them. He writes, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
What Paul's explaining here is that for those of us that have placed our trust in Jesus, that have faith in Jesus, that accept that God gave his son as a gift, pure spotless sacrifice, fully God, fully man, that he died for us. And if we accept that, it's paid in full. And the propitiation, God as righteous judge, perfect judge is appeased. And he looks down in favor with us. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, this is very theological and it's kind of strange to me. This whole idea of atonement and sacrifice, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I'm confused. Or maybe you've heard it before or you've just listened now and you're, you're kind of ready to push back. There's two, typically two types of pushback that I receive and that Christians receive on this. The first one is that sacrifice and atonement, that whole idea is irrelevant in our modern Western culture and, and science, higher education, you know, atheism, evolution, these kind of things. The whole sacrifice and atonement thing, this is not relevant to our life anymore. We're so past this. No one really believes in this stuff. That's one pushback. The second pushback that you even find in the Christian community is that we, we might state, uh, God is love and therefore he doesn't judge. He's just pure love all the time and there's no judgment. This idea of a righteous judge or that there's some sort of wrath, you know, I don't buy that. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's really get into this. Now first, the first pushback, the concept of sacrifice and atonement, and atonement being irrelevant, not being important to culture. It's interesting that this concept is kind of a, a Western idea. Outside of the Western world, concepts of sacrifice and atonement are actually very important to life. They're actually pivotal to life and faith and death and spirituality and religion. People understand them and accept them and, and live within them and, and feel that they're very important. Take, for example, Judaism. Take Islam, Hinduism. Uh, some Eastern faith positions, African faith positions, and even Afro-American faith positions in Central America. And, and this is keeping aside the one-third of the population that's Christian who accept Jesus as the sacrifice and atonement. You add all the people in the world and we are into like high 75-80% of the globe believe that sacrifice and atonement in some way, shape, or form, are very relevant. And let's think about even the modern West. Let's think about my intro. When we talked about uh, these deals we make, the, the cosmic scales, and saying somehow that God is judging on some level, that we pray for something or we'll do something and, and promise different things, like, like God's weighing our actions, behaviors, and our words and somehow going to reward us. And just think about social media. Think about when something tragic happens or someone throws out that they're having a tough day. What do you see in the comment streams? Thoughts and prayers to you all. Thoughts and prayers go out to you. You know, first of all, I wonder how does thinking about someone really help them? But let's say the prayers. Why are we throwing out prayers if we don't think that it actually depends on some level? Why would I give of my time and energy to pray for someone? And why would I sacrifice that time and energy if I didn't think it have an impact? 
It's very interesting that the Western world may reject sacrifice and atonement, but if you look at their ideology, you can actually find it weaved within what we say and do. The second pushback. This is one that we find in the church. God is all love. That's all I want to focus on. I do not like the idea that God is a judge, and so I reject that idea. There's actually positions that we find creeping up in the church where people try to convince others that, you know what, in the end, everyone ends up at the pearly gates of heaven and there isn't really anything bad going to happen. And once we get there, we get one last chance to accept Jesus as he stands right in front of us and we all make it because God is that loving. Now, God is loving, but he is also a righteous, perfect judge. And so let's go down this road though for a moment of God's only love accepts everyone. He'll never judge. He, he doesn't, he just overlooks all sin, no matter what. It's, it's, it's all good. Let's go down there. I wonder how does this play out with Hitler? How, how does this play out with the government officials that orchestrated the Rwandan genocide? How does this play out with suicide bombers, murderers, rapists? Is God still not going to judge them? And do we feel good about that? If we're to talk to Holocaust survivors or genocide survivors or victims of these heinous crimes, are we good with telling them it's all fine? God accepts them, no problem. And and there's no need to to weigh their, their behaviors and their sins on any level. It doesn't work, does it? If we're honest, we want to say, no, God should judge murderers and rapists and people who commit atrocities over, over a race of people or a tribe of people. We want God, God to judge them. We want God to be that enforcer of the law and we want them to pay. Why is that? Maybe it speaks to something greater. But we can't weigh all the different sins of the world. We can't weigh what's wrong, what's right in in the universal or in the eternal perspective. Only God can weigh our hearts. And what happens is, is when he looks inside of each one of us, we're sinful. We believe it's to different degrees and that certain sins are worse than others. But again, like we talked about last week, if you missed that, go back, listen, watch. We have a problem and it's sin. And even the slightest bit of sin, that 0.01% of sin, it's still sin and God judges us for it. There's a great author, theologian, R.C. Sproul, and here's what he says. We are so used to sinning. So accustomed to sin that we rarely ever even have the barest grasp of the gravity involved by defying God. In 1 John 2.2, we read, He, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus was the atoning covering, was the atoning sacrifice the full expiation and propitiation for all sins. You see, only Jesus, fully God, fully man, could be enough 
to make the scales work out. <laughs> because in reality, every sin, any sin, is enough to tip it against us. God is that perfect. He's that just. He's that holy. He's that righteous. He can't accept any sin. So now, where do we go from here? I want you to try. Try and ask this question. Just consider for a moment, what if? What if God did provide a solution to our sin problem? And what if Jesus really is that solution? What if God really is a loving judge? That he loves us enough to give us a way out of our sin. I want to go to one last passage. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to 1 John. 1 John, near the end of your Bible, in chapter 4. In verses 9 and 10, John explains this loving judge that God is and, and how it works within atonement. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, remember our identity, we were created in the image and likeness of God to be in relationship with God. But our problem, that sin entered the world and is in our hearts and it breaks that relationship with God. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die, to pay the penalty, to appease his wrath for us, to take our place. I don't really believe there's cosmic scales out there. But if there were... Jesus not only tips them, he throws them out. They're gone. And the Bible teaches us that if we can put our faith and trust in Jesus, if we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God sent him to pay for our sins, but that he didn't stay dead. No, three days later, he rose from the grave. And next week, that's where we're going. Our hope. If you've ever asked the question, how do I find assurance? You know, uh, what can I cling to for the future? This is what we're going to talk about. Today we've talked about the cross, but Jesus was buried. He didn't stay dead. He rose again. And that empty tomb, our hope, our future hope, he ascended to heaven. He promises to return. That we have an eternity. That this life isn't the end. We're going to unpack that next week. So you're going to want to be here. The gospel the gospel story has a glorious ending. But for, day, for today, for today, let's just reflect and discuss this concept of atonement and Jesus being our sacrifice. I have two questions for you to think about, maybe reflect, put some comments in the field below, or if you're in a church at home group with family or friends, you guys can hash this out. If you're in the building right now, you can, um, you can hash that out in small groups. But I have two questions. The first question is this. How have you felt like you're hanging in cosmic scales, making deals with God to save you or help you? Have you ever done this? 
How have you felt like you're hanging in cosmic scales, making deals with God to save you or help you? The second question, what is the greatest barrier to accepting that all your sins have been paid for by Jesus on the cross? What is the greatest barrier to accepting that all your sins have been paid for by Jesus on the cross? If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never put your trust in him, but for the first time today, you realize there's something to this. I believe Jesus is the solution to my sin problem. You can pray with me today and you can give your life to Jesus and you can begin a new life that's everlasting. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for sending your son I thank you, Jesus, for willingly going to the cross for me. And though I have sinned so much, though I continue to sin, and though I will be burdened by sin my whole life, you don't hold it against me because you paid for it. Dear Father, I realize I'm a sinner, but I accept your forgiveness. I accept the atonement that was given through Jesus. Today, I choose to follow Jesus. I will live for you in freedom, knowing that my sin no longer burdens me. I will live in the freedom and the purity that comes through Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If you have given your life to Jesus today or would like to join, serve, or support Mountain View Church, please let us know. Email connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. Lastly, feel free to connect with us through social. Just search at Mountain View Whitehorse. Have a blessed week.